Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's subject, Reformation. Reformation hammer blows. On October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther sparked the Protestant Reformation. At the time, he was protesting the sale of indulgences based on the Roman Catholic teachings involving purgatory and good works earning merit. The idea was that Christ and various saints, such as Mary, his virgin mother, John the Baptist, the forerunner, and other notable Christians, Peter and Paul and all the rest, had more merit before God than was necessary for their entry into heaven. So there was a treasury of merit that the Pope and the Roman Church could draw on to apply to others and to decrease their time in purgatory. Luther's first hammer first hit on the abuse of this practice to get money from the people who built St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Listen to the hammer blows from Martin Luther's pen. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, in Matthew 7, 17, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Now this insight came from his learning that the Catholic translation of Matthew four seventeen which reads, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, do penance, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, was incorrect. The word they translated, do penance, was actually repent. The correct translation is, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The second nail, Luther hammers, he goes on, Those who believe that they can be certain of their salvation because they have indulgence letters will be eternally damned together with their teachers. And again, any truly repentant Christian has a right to full remission of penalty and guilt even without indulgence letters. Any true Christian, he says, rather living or dead, participates in all the blessings of Christ and the church. And this is granted to him by God without indulgence letters. And so seeing these things, he says indulgence letters are worthless pieces of paper. Luther continues, The true treasure of the church is the most holy gospel of the glory and grace of God. Now I submit to you, that's the heart of what he has to say. And from it, he will develop a clearer understanding of what that gospel really includes. In the next three theses, He attacks the whole system of indulgences as a money scheme. Listen as he piles it on about the money scheme hatched in Rome. But this treasure, he says, is naturally most odious, for it makes the first to be last, Luther continues. On the other hand, the treasure of indulgences is naturally most acceptable, for it makes the last to be first. Therefore, the treasures of the gospel are nets with which one formerly fished for men of wealth, The treasures of indulgences are nets with which one now fishes for the wealth of men. Now, it took several years for Luther to understand and to articulate more the glorious gospel of God's unmerited favor to sinners. But we can see Luther's coming into clearer light in the next year, 1518, at the Heidelberg Disputation with these points. The person who believes that he can obtain grace by doing what is in him, adds sin to sin, 
so that he becomes doubly guilty. Nor does speaking in this manner give cause for despair, but for arousing the desire to humble oneself and seek the grace of Christ. Luther continues, It is certain that man must utterly despair of his own ability before he is prepared to receive the grace of Christ. He is not righteous who does much, but he who without work believes much in Christ. And this, the law says do this, and it is never done. Grace says believe in this, and everything is already done. Actually, one should call the work of Christ an acting work, and our work an accomplished work, and thus an accomplished work pleasing to God by the grace of the acting work. The love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. The love of man comes into being through that which it is pleasing to do. You can see that he's come to the idea and true understanding that man in his own natural state does not have anything in which he can commend himself to God. His help must come from without, and he must be laid hold of by faith in the one Savior, Jesus Christ. Thus, with each passing day and controversy, Luther was increasing in his understanding of Romans 1, 16, and especially verse 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So what the righteous God demands is a righteousness that he supplies in his son, Jesus, the Messiah. What the righteous God demands is a righteous gift from God himself. Here's a glorious truth that Luther, Zwingli, Tyndall, Calvin, Knox, and many others came to embrace and proclaim to all. Now they had their differences over other matters of reform, but they all agreed on this truth as it is expressed in Titus 3, 4 and following. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Salvation is of the Lord. Christ, as our mediator and as our great high priest, has done all that's required for us to be forgiven and have credited to our account his own righteousness, a gift of God. People lay hold of this provided righteousness by which we continue to live before God by the hand of faith. Now, although the five solas of the Reformation were not put on banners in those difficult years of the recovery of the gospel, they were taught and experienced then. Beginning with Luther and before him, John Huss, a firm foundation has been laid in God's word of truth, and to it alone we look to understand and teach these truths. God is the Savior of sinners who come to him through faith alone in Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one alone. 
only salvation by the sovereign Lord without any mixture of the works of man can yield to God alone the glory. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. Until next time, look to Jesus, the Savior of sinners.